Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell, Fright Fest Glasgow 2019 special. Uh, I'm Keith Isles. And, and I'm Simon Aiken. So, oh, there sorry. we go. Not, not really. Like I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I had to because Simon's going to hear it. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm William McLaughlin. I'm going to be Simon's stand-in today. You are, yes. Simon is um, actually... He didn't get to enjoy Fright Fest this year because he is very busy uh, in post-production of his feature film, um, Modern Love. So uh, he wasn't able to to brave Glasgow this year for um, Fright Fest. So I'm very pleased that William has joined me. And it's, you know, in, in Simon's defence, it's the best reason to not be watching films is because you're making them. Exactly. So great, excited to see you. Exactly. So well done, Simon. And God, we're a pair of losers, aren't we? Right up, Simon. We need to, <laughs> need to get this watched. So, um, yes. So, William, for you, uh, this was actually your first Fright Fest, wasn't it? I've done this for a few years now. Um, what did you think? I thought it was brilliant. It's actually my first film festival that I've been at as a patron and I haven't been working um, uh, so I really, really enjoyed it. It was even more film watching and even less stress than I've ever experienced at a film festival before. Um, I really enjoyed it. I'm not probably the most natural horror fan in the world. Um, I wouldn't say I've got a particular genre, maybe sci-fi if I had to kind of compartmentalise myself, but there's so much overlap between science fiction and horror. Um, and I'm quite open-minded, you know, I'm, I'm going to watch anything. Um, and we saw some absolutely brilliant films, really stuff that I wouldn't have, wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise yes. without being in that sort of environment. And it's the vital part of film festivals where you are going to be exposed to things that are out with your sphere of awareness. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, we saw, essentially we saw 12 movies over two days, so it was quite full on. Um, and these were movies from uh, all over the world uh, at various uh, levels of budget and production yeah. <laughs> types. Um, and I have to say, I thought this year, having, having been to this for a few years, uh, this year the, the bar, I think, was quite high. The quality of film was excellent in, in general across the, the festival. What we discussed and I thought was really interesting was the way it was programmed um, by Fright Fest. The first day was more indie, slightly more experimental, maybe slightly more, less constrained commercially. And then the second day was the more commercial, higher end, bigger budget films. I think that was a really good way to do it. You got this sort of, the first day, the films on the first day were maybe required a little bit more patience. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all fit really well in terms of the programming. And then the second day, even that first film that they showed in the second day, which I think was um, Ruslaka, uh, which is going to be the siren, they said it's going to be called. Mm -hmm. um, that was quite a good bridging film. Yes. Because it was maybe more commercial than some of the films in the first day, but it was the more indie one of that second day's programming. And then it went into the more sort of commercially distributed higher end films on the yeah. second day. No, absolutely. Um, the other thing I, I particularly noticed this year for me was um, in terms of the atmosphere of Fright Fest, um, I felt more included than I ever have. Um, you know, the guys that run Fright Fest, um, 
you know, Alan, Paul, Ian and Greg uh, were all, you know, they, they made time to come up and actually say hello to me and, and chat with me about, you know, what I was thinking of the festival and everything. And that's something that I've not really experienced uh, with them uh, previously. So I really appreciated that. And I think one of the reasons that um, the atmosphere was so good this year is because last year um, there was horrendous weather. And many and they people... They mentioned that, yeah, yes. Which yeah. It must have been bad to have been still a year down the line talking about yeah, it. Yeah, well, I mean, my, my, um, my plane, I, I was going to fly. My flight was cancelled. And then the train was only going as far as Carlisle. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a real trek to eventually get here. Whereas all you need is an inch of snow to disrupt all travel and ability to get to your job and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And I think maybe for, you know, the, the guys at Fright Fest, there's an element of if you do have a year that's a bit of a washout like that for no, you know, way that you can possibly control, I bet they were raiding for it this year. And, and really excited for it. And I, I certainly spoke to, to Paul uh, and I think Ian at one point as well, uh, just as a sort of passing punter, I didn't necessarily even know who they were until they were uh, introducing the films. But I really like that about film festivals. And one of the things that I thought was amazing about Fright Fest was having, once you got your wristband pass for the weekend, you had an allocated seat. And in general, I mean, people did move around, obviously, depending on the frequency of how many folk were at each screening of each film um, you could if it was a, a lesser busy screening you could have moved but I loved being next to the same sort of people because you could get the, the opinion of the folk next to you and start creating an idea of like okay right that person likes that sort of film and this other person likes that and here's the middle ground where I'm sort of finding myself and that's what's brilliant about the film festival sort of element where you're, you're going to get the access to like a whole wide variety of stuff. So there's always going to be stuff that you like and stuff that you don't like. Mm-hmm. It's different for everybody. And if you love film, you know, like all of us and all of the listeners, that's where the kind of value at a film festival is. Yes. No, absolutely. It was, um, you know, particularly fun this year and uh, good atmosphere, um, you know, and we had some uh, friends that couldn't make it this year, which was, was sad to... Um, you know, to not have them around. But um, I also, you know, we made some new friends on this um, and, you know, got to, I, I got to finally meet actually um, a little shout out to uh, uh, Mike Munzer of the Evolution of Horror podcast, which is a great podcast um, for any any horror fans, uh, which I presume you'd be listening to this I'm, because I'm you're be, a horror yeah, fan. I'm going to be listening to and, it after and, speaking to, to, to him. That was, yeah, that was good. Absolutely. It was nice. Um, he's been on the podcast a couple of times and um, I've, you know, I've been an avid listener of his podcast and um, it was nice to actually sort of meet him in person finally and, and, and have a chat. So, um, so no, it was really good, re- really good weekend. Um so I guess we should, uh, yes, we should talk about the films. We should yeah. crack into the films. I'm going to say here, right up, up front from the get-go, um, this is going to be a spoiler-free uh, chat. We're, we're just going to have really an overview of the films. Um, many of them, if we talk too much about, we will give away spoilers. And all of these are just sort of prior to release. In fact, nearly all of these films were, were world premieres or at least European premieres. So, um, 
yeah, we don't want to give anything away for these films that are going to be released, but it might give you uh, an idea of some stuff to look out for because most of these have distribution deals where they're either, either be uh, on at your local cinema or some sort of streaming service or home media, something like that, somewhere down the line. Yeah. So, um, so it kicked off with a film called Lords of Chaos, um, which is... Uh, a UK, UK and Sweden co-production, um, and it starred Rory Culkin of of, of, of the yeah. Culkin fame, who was quite chameleon. Yes, yes, he was quite the chameleon. I didn't, I didn't recognise him until like you know either the end of the film or the credits. Yes, no, absolutely, and and it was uh, you know it centred around um, a satanic hard rock uh, band in the. Well, it takes place in the 90s, isn't it? In yep, the mid-90s. Right. And um, it's it's quite an interesting film because it, it, it really sort of delves into uh, image in, in a big way. The scene, yeah. And, um, uh, you know, it, it featured some really decent performances, but this film's got quite a bit of controversy around it because... Um, it does feature some, uh, you, you know, absolutely horrifying um, violence, uh, knife violence yeah. in particular. Yeah, I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. It was, uh, it was extremely uh, graphically gratuitous and violent. Um, but it also had, as well, a, a satirical nature about yeah, it was the whole funny. thing. I mean, there was good comedy um, in that film as well, in a way that didn't detracts from any of the, the horror. Yeah. Hard, yeah. hard line to, to tread to get both reaction, the, the, the laugh and the fright, without compromising each other element. If yeah. that makes sense, you know, yeah. if you, you don't sacrifice the comedy because it's scary and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I felt the same. I mean, it, uh, it, it, it really worked. Um, and as I said, it was kind of, it was kind of, uh, it would satisfy the, the taste of both, you know, the people who enjoy sort of comedy um, horror films, but also, uh, you, you know, at the same time, it had massive graphic violence. Uh, well, that actually uh, literally made somebody ill. Yeah, well, that was quite uh, yeah, <laughs> um, surprising. So, uh, but fortunately that person was okay. But uh, th- 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 there was a, there was a, uh, a little bit of, chaos on the opening night in, in so much as a, the film had to be stopped um, temporarily because this film actually did make somebody ill and make somebody throw up and um, uh, so yeah so, that's, so there's your that warning dramatic. there's yeah, your really. warning and, and <laughs> do you know what I, what I liked about Lords of Chaos and keeping it spoiler free um, what I really liked about it is I think that it's so often the case in big film and commercial film um, and sometimes in the lower budget indie sort of sector that people don't treat showing violence with respect and I feel like like Die Hard's a good example of irresponsible violence in my opinion where whatever there is 180 deaths or something um, and your listeners will be rolling their eyes at me getting it wrong but you know there's a high body count and John McLean's just pulling the trigger in his gun, blowing away baddies, and you don't see any of the effect of that gun violence. And I don't feel like that's responsible. Whereas 
this film, even though it's been under attack for comparisons to child suicide in the news recently or the big problem with self-harm and Instagram and the internet, what I really liked about it was that self-harm and, and, and uh, you know, knife violence are horrible. Mm. They are damaging and gratuitous. And the film did not shy away from showing that in a much more realistic sense. It didn't sugarcoat it. It didn't try and glamorise or beautify it. It was hard to watch at points. It was. Yeah, no, it was incredibly hard to watch. Um, but, you know, by the same merit, it had its... Uh, you know, it, it wasn't up for not poking fun at itself yeah. as well, um, which is, which is you know, like you said, it's that's a really hard balance to find. But um, but I think they did find it there. And uh, yeah, I would uh, I, w- I would recommend this one. It is going to get a, um, a release apparently. And uh, but it has uh, Arrow Films are behind this one. Right, they did a lot um, of representation at yes. Fright Fest. Yeah, they are the sponsors for mm. Fright Fest. Um, should have probably said that up front. There you go. Um, but uh, yeah, um, so 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 that was it, it. Kicked things off to a good start. I really like that. Yeah, commercially viable. I would say definitely one to recommend people. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, next up, we had a uh, a Canadian film called Level 16. And uh, this one was, um, basically, it took place in a very uh, dictatorial um, boarding school, um, you know, of a very sort of Orwellian feel to it, where um, young girls were basically being taught, you know, cleanliness and obedience and and what it means to be a good girl uh but you know in in a, in a very sort of um militaristic uh way and um it, it deals with it deals with that i can't say a lot about this film without going into spoilers no, and, and, and don't because also <laughs> this is the only film that i didn't make it to the screen right. to go and see um and i do i do really want to watch it because there was a lot of people said that they really enjoyed it. Yes. And uh, that's, that's always interesting. And the fact that you're reticent to tell me too much. I mean, what I would ask, and we're talking about these generally, is to what extent do horror filmmakers have a responsibility to have a kind of social comment on society in the same sort of way that you can do with sci-fi and stuff? What's your yeah. sort of views on that? Or should it just be entertainment for the sake of entertainment? Well, I, I, th- I, think, I think you can have... I don't think they're mutually exclusive necessarily. Well, they can be. I mean, you can have both in a film or you can have one or the other. So, um, but I mean, I think think some of the best horror films are ones that make some sort of social comment and and if you like, hold a a mirror up to the the world and um, says these things. And and with regards to this, this, this has a... um, Again, I don't want to go into spoilers, but it's got quite a sort of dark undertone about what's really going on in this film, why these okay. girls are really... Um, the conceit is, you know, that, that it's like a sort of finishing stroke boarding school um, where eventually these, these, these orphaned girls are going to get um, adopt, adoption. Uh, and it's much more twisted than that which I can't go go there as I said otherwise I do enter 
spoiler territory. But um, yes, I think uh, there is a there is a message to this film for sure. Uh, but at the same time, it, it is a good piece of entertainment. It's it's very slickly produced. Cool, it, that it, makes it, me it, want to see. Yeah, it. I it's, like that. It, it's very slick uh, in its delivery. Um, it, it, and it centers around sort of the relationship, particularly uh, with two of these girls, mm-hmm. and deals with things like uh, guilt. Um, and uh, if I had to criticize this film, and I say this for a number of films at the festival um, this week, is it slightly outstayed its welcome. It was. This film's 101 minutes long here, according to the credits. And you could have told this in a, in a really tight, slick 90 minutes and it would have really worked. That's frustrating um, because I feel in general with contemporary cinema, that's a complaint that I've got. Um, and it's weird because studios obviously like a two hour mark film because you can get X number of screenings in, in a day. But I feel somehow maybe over the last 10, 20 years, it's the sort of Lord of the Rings Casino Royale effect of having huge epic endings that last forever. And uh, there, were, there were several of the films that I felt at, at this year's Fright Fest where the ending could have been really punchy if it just been stopped minutes before mm. they ran the credits rather yeah. than have a little bit extra. And I think it made me certainly think about from a sort of creative standpoint, how do you, how do you get that really powerful ending how do you deliver that to the audience? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, um, you, you know, we're only talking about 10 minutes in yeah, some well, cases. And in, in some cases it was one shot. Yeah. Or, or one like 10 second edit would have had the effect uh, to, to have made the, the ending better. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was the, the one thing I, um, I felt quite sad about in this film, um, which was very gripping all the way, but there is... There is one particular line of dialogue and the way this line of dialogue's delivered quite near to the end of the film, which actually made the audience laugh. But the thing that made me feel sad for it was uh, it wasn't actually supposed to be funny. Mm. So they were kind of laughing at rather than laughing with. And, um, y- y- you know, that maybe let let it down slightly. But but I'll be honest, I enjoyed it. I... I um, I thought that this was, uh, you know, a decent horror thriller. Um, Good. Well, it's certainly what, what you said and uh, what the other half a dozen people around us were talking about when I came in, I would still watch that. That's on my list of to see. Cool. Okay, so that's level 16. Um, next up, we had a film called The Dead Centre. Um which again, this was a, a US film, uh, a low budget US film. Um, I don't know, what, what were your thoughts on this one? Because I think you particularly enjoyed this one, didn't you? I really, I really enjoyed the execution. I thought that this film had a kind of uh, visual quality to it that was just really pleasing to me and it, it really fit what I think a contemporary horror film should be. Certainly had all the elements that were, were being developed in it were, were frightening and, and do you know scare me but again it's hard to talk about something like this where I feel like there's elements I want to criticise but it may give away too much plot to, to do it yes um, but certainly 
portions of the film take place in a hospital and deal with kind of mental health and the director of the Q&A, um, Billy Sinise, he was uh, interesting talking about mental health being something he was wanting to explore. And when the film worked for me, I thought it was really atmospheric. That's what it totally shone, was its atmosphere that was created in the sort of sense of impending doom. Mm-hmm. It had a slight kind of 90s J-horror aspect to it that I really bought into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like this film. And I actually think it's maybe one of the ones that I would watch again. Um, yeah, I particularly liked... Um, uh, th- this was a film that kind of had um, two protagonists on different journeys that that eventually sort of cross paths yeah. and um uh one of one of them in particular i thought did a, a really good job and was really believable yeah um, that was a superb performance from that actor i thought that was but, brilliant yeah but uh, it, it's 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 quite difficult i mean it's it's to do with a unidentified suicide victim that that, that goes to this hospital morgue and uh the medical examiner um, sort of he knows his name but he's no idea where where he's come from and and uh, the body becomes reanimated and uh, yeah it, it, it's kind of a it's a mystery it's it's kind of a procedural mystery um, but as I said we can't really if I go into any more it's gonna it's gonna it really is going to sort of go into spoiler territory, but yeah. um, I mean, I would I would say for horror fans, that's definitely a film to watch. Even if it's you know if you're critical of it, there's still a huge amount of value, and I did find it frightening. Uh, and for me, that's probably the most important thing when I watch a horror film is does it scare me? And I'm thinking about this a little bit afterwards the the last couple of nights, and that again, it's one of those things about horror film or film in general. Am I? continuing to be affected by it mm-hmm. and I was I think I, I'm really looking forward to seeing Billy Sinise do more stuff and obviously Shane Carruth of Primer is uh, an actor in this film mm-hmm. I really liked him um, and I'm always going to be interested in what Shane Carruth is doing after Primer because that's such a you know incredible indie film and the story behind that is and how it was made is, is, is awesome yeah so yeah I, I a mind this. bender for sure yeah, primary. A good anyway, one. Yeah, yeah oh, primary. My <laughs> yeah, friend's yeah. favourite film. Yeah, watched it loads and still, you know, don't have a clue. So well done in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the dead centre. Um, next up was a uh, independent British film um, called Here Comes Hell, uh, which um, I thought was incredibly enjoyable. I loved it because yeah. this this film completely embraced. Um, from start to finish what it what it was and it was basically it's like um, a comedy horror but it's sort of set in the in the 1930s and it's it's filmed in black and white it's in the academy ratio aspect ratio it's got very heightened performances from its cast and uh, it really does kind of embrace that you know Haunted House, Agatha Christie, Who Done It, um, kind of murder mystery, along with you, you know some. It was that kind of mixed with, you know, crazy sort of, almost like sort of 
Evil Dead yeah, style I was comedy, yeah, comedy Sam, horror. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Here Comes Hell is the perfect example of if you don't have a, a studio backing you um, and, and giving you your budget and stuff, you have to go hard or go home. Like, you need to lean in hard into what makes your project unique and your vision, you know, your vision. Um, I think a lot of filmmakers, especially when they're starting out and they're like Jack McHenry and uh, Olivia, what was Olivia's second name? Oh, it's not there. Um, <laughs> and the producer, Olivia, were, uh, were doing. I think you've got to realise you can emulate other filmmakers and make it work. And they did a brilliant job of being unique and having their version and their voice. Yes. This film, if you get a chance to watch it, watch it. It was not particularly long. The bits where it was brilliant. It had my standout moment at the festival, actually. Mm -hmm. um, just really, really good. And it shows what's achievable outside of a studio setup. Oh, outside yes. of a yeah. TV network. Because I don't think a studio would make a film like that. No. I don't think they'd have the... You know, for the amount of money that they'd have to put into it to then do an international distribution, or even a domestic American distribution, it's not worth taking the risk that it mm. might just not find an audience. And it was awesome yeah no i mean you know this was this was incredibly low budget and it was um a group of very young filmmakers yeah that we were jealous this. they were very yeah young, yeah it was very good. talented and but 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 they you know they they knew their genre they embraced it um you know they, they, they knew their films of that era because there was a lot of sort of Hitchcockian moments yeah, in they it had good, there good was and, and some stuff. hammer a little bit of hammer a little bit of hitchcock um you know, and it really did embrace that sort of 1930s, um, yeah, uh, haunted house type. Yeah. Type and, and you know, there's, there's some, let's be critical as well. I don't believe in sort of um, not, not kind of picking things apart as well. There were elements in terms of production value or execution that maybe weren't as slick as some of the other films at Fright Fest. But because of the creative commitment to this, it just did not matter. No. Um, and we spoke about, you know, things like, not just specifically to Here Comes Hell, but things like your close-up of your actor. If it's soft and you've got the performance, it doesn't really matter as long as it's not, like, super blown out or whatever. Equivalently, you can have a perfect shot with the actor lit perfectly and using the light and so on. And if the performance isn't there, you don't have time to bring it out in direction, it can be flat. Mm -hmm. And I think that this, again, is one of these examples of a film where, you know, the, the, the momentum that's going once that film started is I was just on board mm. and really excited. And yep. especially when the performances were so, you know, overblown and mm -hmm. big, it really worked, worked very well. Yeah. I'm excited to see what next stuff these guys do because it's going to be good. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, this film is one of the few films that wasn't actually over bloated in terms of it's a tight 75 minute and that uh, really works. story and it really yeah. works and um as i said everybody's really committed to it and it's very amusing and uh very nicely done and you know as i said good to see them embrace that kind of um traditional traditional yeah, looking feel yeah and it, and it was a fresh take as well because it's contemporary so yes Nice. Yes. No, very good. Okay, next up, uh, we're still on day one here. Uh, the penultimate film on day one was a... Um, uh, good, good luck explaining this. Yeah, yeah. It's um, 
a, a Swedish film called Black Circle. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I really, I have to say, I really um, enjoyed this film in so much of, again, it, it, it was it was a hundred and what, hundred minute film, could have maybe been 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes shorter if I had to be ultra critical. But what I really liked about this film was the commitment to the in-world logic Yeah, we spoke it. about this all weekend. This was yeah. one of our things that we were geeking out over. Now, how do, I, how do we sort of explain this um, without it being spoily? It, it, it's to do with... Um, it's to do with... So, well, first of all, it's called Black Circle, which feeds... Every, everything feeds in. The whole mise-en-scene feeds into this because it's about a vinyl record. An, an LP record. What's that, um, Keith? What's a, what's a oh, shut up. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, hold on, that's hip now, so yeah, shut yeah, up. I should, I should um, and, and, and basically, the, 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 the B side of this record is supposed to be almost like a self help hypnosis type um, recording. And uh, it, it revolves around this young woman. And her sister recommends it to her to, to, to help with sort of life improvement. And she says that since she's been listening to this, her, um, her life has improved in, 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 her, in her business side, her, her productivity, her work, everything, her well-being. Um, so she listens to it, but it actually... And you as the audience, you're quite drawn into this mm-hmm. because... Um, I was talking um, uh, on a podcast recently about the Ring uh, film and how you're sort of, as an audience, you're sort of complicit with it because you you watch the tape, and it's the same in this. You, you actually you, you we listen we listen to audio. this recording, um, so we're kind of in on it as well. But of course, it it it, it it's something far more sinister. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> than, I, I, I love this, and uh, awesome that you mentioned the Ring. Uh, which I think is probably my favourite horror film. Certainly one of the only two horror films that I've had to turn off and stop watching because it was really like upsetting me and then go out and buy it on DVD the next day and watch it in the daytime. Um, so, you know, I, I got no problem about admitting that I'm a wuss when the filmmaking's on point. And uh, Black Circle definitely tapped into a lot of that kind of style of ring with the kind of cursed artefact. Yes. And that breeding real problems for everybody in the story. Again, what you were talking about, internal logic, the film really, like, that's the backbone of how that works in Black Circle for me. Yes. I don't need to know what the uh, actual map or plan of how all the moving parts in the film work on a story level. I just need to know that the filmmakers understand that and have worked it into the film so that all the information that I get as the viewer makes sense, if, if that kind of holds water. And what I think was awesome in Black Circle is that everything that you see um, as the story unfolds and the characters attempt to deal with their their situation, it all makes sense in the story. Even if you don't understand it as the viewer, because you're obviously being deprived of information on purpose to make it more frightening and so on. I really, really like that. And it's, it's loads of work that then more than half of it doesn't appear on screen or in the dialogue or, or any of that, but you have to have those elements to mm. make your film credible and make sense. And this film 
achieved that effortlessly it seemed yes and also completely dripping with style and atmosphere oh yeah, and yeah. kind of it's making all the hairs of my arms go up yeah um absolutely brilliant and definitely one i want to watch again more than once with my friends because yeah. it's our sort of thing that's my kind of film very stylized and um and it's important to mention mention for uh fans of sort of classic horror films that it's it starred uh christina lindberg who um who is a, a Swedish actress that, that that has you know quite a pedigree with um, with 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 some earlier horror films and and has been doing it for many years. So uh, and she uh, she it, said that the Q and A this is one of her first films in in two decades that she's she's been doing and holy shit what a performance yes you know, from the moment she's on screen I thought gripping yeah and uh, and, and frightening even without you know ve- without doing very much and I think yeah. that's a total you know idiot thing to say I suppose but there there wasn't huge amounts of setup or uh, pre-establishment of her character and really her opening sequences doing that um, and really absolutely mesmerising performance from her very powerful stuff no definitely so one um, Black Circle worth very very worth checking out um, which brings us to our last film from day one uh, which apparently um, has actually been Retitled, um, but we saw it under the title Dead Ant. Dead Ant. Dead Ant. Dead Ant. Which was one of the jokes in the film. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, um, this was <laughs> an, an absolute piece of um, horror trash fun yeah I think, it was, I think it was an exploitation movie um, totally was, an exploitation had, movie had a lot in common with Here Comes Hell because it just went right into what it was doing completely yes. didn't give a shit didn't worry about whether or not it was going to be you know effective or not and that makes it I think to have that kind of almost lack of care about whether you're doing too much or not it really makes it work yes like they didn't worry about being you know offensive or no. um schlocky or a special effect didn't work and yeah. um, that that is part of what carries oh, this film absolutely. and it, it was awesome and absolutely. we watched that like half 11 at night right? yeah so no, already, you'd seen five or six films and i'd seen you know whatever one less yeah but it was really really good it really was enjoyable. V- very entertaining i mean it's it was it's quite high-end this this is um US film uh, directed by Ron Carlson and it and it stars people like uh, Sean Austin and Jake Boosie and Tom Arnold. It was awesome. Um, and and uh, again, you know, like you were saying, it it, it, it totally leaks into the exploitation thing. I mean, there's there's gratuitous nudity in this film. Um, ridiculously yeah, over the top the opening gore. scene is worth going to like see yeah. the film to see how like from the moment going you know you're either the sort of person that's going to walk out and not like it or, or just instantly hate it yeah. or you'll be there and it does as any opening scene should in a movie totally set up everything that's coming afterwards yeah uh, now I'm sure you're all there saying well what's it about then so essentially what it is about it centres around an ageing a glam metal band from the sort of late 80s and um, they're supposed to be going off to a, a, a festival um, and you, you, you know they're, they're all they're all sort of 
real crazy characters that have... Uh, and, and what made me laugh, uh, or what, what I thought I liked about this film was in terms of everything about it sort of feeding into the... in embracing the sort of uh, B-movie uh, comedy horror film that it is. Um, even things like, uh, you know, Sean Astin was wearing a, a cap that says, it sucks to suck. <laughs> and... Um, uh, one of them had a T-shirt saying uh, "Go big or go backstage," and uh, you, 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 you know, um, tear shit up, and all this sort of thing. They, they had the sort of you know heavy metal type T-shirts yeah, yeah. with 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 those kind of logos on them, and um, it, it 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 basically revolves around um, on the way to their concert, they stop to get a. Uh, uh, a drug, a, a drug. Yeah, they're going to take Peyote to, at, at Nochella. Yeah, Nochella, <laughs> which, was, oh, which was which, which was kind of a, a joke in itself. Again, I don't want to spoil all the jokes here, but uh, but yeah, they, they 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 go to Nochella, uh, but they, as I said, they get this drug on the way, and um, the drugs given to them by this Native American, and the the the, the main rule with taking this drug is that you must not mess with nature in any way, shape, or form, or cause harm to anything in nature. And this isn't a spoiler, because this is the conceit of the mm -hmm. film. And essentially, um, one of them, uh, well, literally pisses on an ant <laughs> and kills an ant, and this makes four giant ants to come and attack them for the rest of the film. And as I said, I, I, I think the, the new title is going to be Attack of the Giant Ants yeah, or something, yeah. something like that. But as I said, Dead Ant was the title we saw it under. And, um, y y you know, from there, uh, you, you can probably use your imagination as to what it, what it is. But it's a lot of fun. Um, again, I thought slightly longer than it needed to yeah, be. I know, I know I'm sounding like minutes a... or 20 minutes. And... Exactly. I'm, st I'm sounding like a stuck black circle here, aren't I? But, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it was slightly longer than it needed to be, but it, it, it was very amusing, very amusing performances. And, I mean, they have a song in it called Side Boob, for heaven's sake. And, I don't uh, want to even talk about that because I'm going to start <laughs> singing it and it's really good. Um, that was a um, testament to make a song funny, not an easy thing to do. And yes. catchy as well. And yes. they, they did it um, on several occasions. Yeah. I, I, I really like that. And it, it, you know, it pays to be open-minded and, and to uh, go into stuff trying to be as fresh as possible. Um, because I'm like lots of people uh, really critical and prejudgy of stuff. And it's trying to let go of that and just enjoy stuff. Yes. One of the things at Fright Fest that I found interesting is prior to the screening of each film, when the, uh, the film's being introduced, there's a huge slide being projected in the screen that contains an image from each movie. Um, and I find that I, I don't want to look at that at all. And it totally fills your entire field of view. So it's hard to not to. You've got to. Um, but with Dead Ant, I managed to just try and block that out. And the image wasn't so descriptive that you were able to tell anything about it. And I really was surprised by this film. Yeah. Which is nice, you know. It's good to see something and be like, yeah. wow, I did not expect that but, in that way. No, but I mean, it, this this is basically a, a schlock comedy horror B-movie, but with, with recognisable... Hollywood names, Dead cast. Um, yeah, and uh, and you know it's 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 silly nonsense, but it's 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 fun. So uh, 
if, if that's your sort of bag. Um, it was certainly a good film to finish the night on because yeah. it was light and, uh, you, you know, light and silly. So um, so that brought us to the, the, the close of day one. Um, I have to say, I don't know about you, William, but I'm actually... I'm actually finding this kind of difficult because it is very hard to talk about films without... Uh, Telling anything about them. Yeah, without sort of, you know, giving you an overview without uh, being spoilery. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, think that, I think that's the case. I think as well you want to kind of, like, for the purposes of this particular podcast, we want to have a kind of uh, discussing and exposing the films that we liked and enjoyed um, at Frightfest this year without because they aren't on release yet without giving people any more than you would get in a trailer say um, so you can talk a bit about it but if we go in too far it's going to just spoil stuff that isn't even out yet I, I'm a big believer if you haven't seen the film in the first week that it's come out you're open to having it spoiled for yourself if you're not offline yeah. and, and not listening to podcasts yeah. and stuff I also am aware that we're both kind of waxing lyrical about everything. Well, we're on a high. It's but, just been um, like 48 hours of film. I was going to say, 24 we're, hours of film. We're sleep so, deprived. I mean, yeah, totally. Yeah, we're sleep deprived. Um, so let's, let's just very quickly sum up those films in the first day. Would you have said there was a particular kind of um, vibe to the, the selection and the curation and the, the presentation of them from Fright, Fright Fest? Um, no, I mean, I, I honestly think that we, we got some variety here, which was which was nice. Um, and, you, you know, when I say variety, you know, there were a couple of uh, um, non-English language films in there. Um, there were definitely some uh, a mixture of different budgets. You know, yeah, we had yeah. from studio films through to, to really low budget, um, uh, you know, independent films. Um, and and and. Yes, they, they all had their horror elements, obviously, but there was also a, a, a big mix of subgenres there. So we had some quite sort of dark, serious um, and graphic films. But then, as I said, we had some sort of much more comedic um, type, type films. So I, I thought there was quite a variety. There were also, um, it's fair to say we haven't even mentioned, but on the beginning of some of these films were some short films um, and you know thematically some of those fed very well into into the films they were shown with as well um you I, know, I, duality I actually, yeah um there was, there was one called proxy which was which which was about duality and that sort of fed into very similar to what black circle was trying to yeah. do um you know and I, I, you know I would, I would be happy to get a short film in front of every feature at the cinema rather than a million adverts for, for cars and stuff like that and buying <laughs> soft drinks at concessions and stuff. But um, to see, to have that kind of outlet in Fright Fest, it's brilliant. To see new short films is not always easy. Even if you're trying to search for them online on you know Vimeo or YouTube or whatever outlet, it's hard to sometimes find that. And part of the benefit of the festival is it is a platform for filmmakers to come and present to an audience their stuff. And some of the shorts were absolutely awesome. Um, probably my favourite, the standout one that sticks in my mind was The Scarecrow, uh, mm -hmm. from I think a first time filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And it was just, again, like leaning in hard into your concept and being confident. You know, it's better to fail massively and, and, and fuck it up trying to get it really, really good. Um, because the payoff, I think, and it, it is the case for Scarecrow, I think it was so stylish and really simple and it, mm. it did exactly the opposite of many of the things many of the films that were having that 
particular criticism have been slightly too long. Oh my god! Or, I mean, Scarecrow is probably less than a minute. I think it? so. Yeah. And how like that is so such powerful use of economy, and it, almost it was like a kind of telling of a joke, and that there was the setup, and then the punchline punch almost immediately. But within that, there's you know incredible grading, excellent performance, brilliant editing, cinematography was on point, and what better calling card? If you're, you know, if there's ten short films on show, that's the one I remembered, and mm. it's like a tenth of the the uh, length of some of the other ones. Yes, really brilliant. Yeah. I mean, we've just mentioned a couple there, and that, but there there were others, other short films as well. And again, the quality of those was was yes, yeah. production pretty value good. on them and the the skill on display was impressive. Yeah, they picked good shorts. They did, they did indeed. So in into day two. Um, we have another film that kicked it off that's also gone through a title change. Um, this is going to be released under the name Sirens. Yeah. Or is the, it The Siren? The, the, the Siren. The Siren. The Siren. Um, but we saw it under the title uh, The Rusalka. Yep. Um, now, you particularly liked this one. I, I loved it. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, up there with Here Comes Hell and Black Circle from the first day. Really, okay. really brilliant, confident filmmaking. Um I thought lots of subversion and bringing fresh, new um, sort of contemporary elements into horror. Lots of daytime filming, which I always find really interesting in horror films. Mm -hmm. It's so easy, I think, to... Like, nighttime lends itself to tapping into our fears. Yes. Who's following you in the street? Or what's that creak in my house? Can I make it to the light switch or whatever? This definitely had the realistic elements of what is horrible, you know, loss and, and, uh, you know, failure in your social life or relationships and stuff. Those were very much illuminated. Yes. Um, one of the things, one of the things I liked with it is, is, um, you know, like, uh, with, with, with Mike Flanagan's film Hush, uh, where the, 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 the lead character in that was, was deaf. In this one, uh, interestingly, they made the the lead character in this film a mute. Yeah. And uh, again, I thought that was that 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 made for, well, particularly in a horror thing, you, you think about the first thing somebody does if they're in trouble in a horror film is they cry for help. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so well, um, was that nightmarish element? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that um, I was I was asking the director uh, Perry Blackshear about. Was um, he has cast a Asian um, American actress in the lead, uh, or one of the, the lead rogues, and then there's the mute character, and there's also a gay couple in it, and quite often when I'm going to the cinema, for me, if those sorts of characters are in a film, I think it's a tremendous disservice can be done if you don't write them as sort of proper three dimensional characters mm-hmm. and you just have diversity for the sake of diversity. But this was so representative, I felt like it was much more rounded and rich and credible and reflective of the world that we live in. Yeah, I mean, and what I really liked about the representation in this film was that uh, they didn't make a big deal about no, any of it. No, I mean, that's the, how the, to do it. I mean, I mean, the, 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 you know, the, um, the, 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 the gay character in it, uh, he just mentions in a line of dialogue his husband. Yeah. And that was it. I mean, yeah. there was, there was no, no, nothing, no big deal made of that at all. And it's um, refreshing. It's yeah. nice. Rather than, like, I've been to the cinema with, with gay friends and seen depictions of, you know, gay relationships. And it just, 
it's awful. Like it just doesn't. It's not real. Yeah. Um. And I think that that's that's a depressing experience for anybody to to see an approach on a perception of what it's like and it's uninformed. Whereas this was, I thought, really respectful, and it it added to the richness of the film rather than somehow highlighted it as artificial. No, I agree. I agree. Now this was this was very enjoyable. It was a good way to kick off the 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 the, the second day. Um, I think first films, they they always have a a bit of a problem because you've got to kind of you Get know into me- the, the, the the sort of uh, viewing mode again yes. after just having watched half a dozen things. Exactly, time. and probably been out you know drinking the night yeah, before, and been up late, and been up late, and uh, not not that we'd know anything about that, right? Um, yeah, we but were well uh, we were well behaved. But um, y- y- you know, this this definitely worked. Um, again, I'm going to say, you know, I really am harping on about this, but I felt that with this movie, although not a long movie, it still felt. It, I don't know. It could. I felt like it could have ended just a little bit sooner than it did. But that maybe that was just because I was struggling with the with the morning. Thing. Yeah, it was tough. Know. That was at like ten a.m. We saw that one. Yeah. Um. I think I'm not not done with singing the repra- repra- the praises of uh, Rusalka yet. I really liked how much of a visual film it was. Yes. It was show don't tell all the way for mm. me. Well, particularly as you've got a mute character yeah, again, totally. you had to totally show don't and tell. And hey, that yeah. that guy, his performance. Um, is it Benjamin? Um, was the the actor or the character? Uh, uh, let's let's give him his credit. Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Evan Dumichel. Yeah, Evan unfortunately, unfortunately we'll sorry, we've not got notes in front of us. It's so bad, it's so recent so. after Fright Fest yes, that we've decided yes. just to go while we're fresh and yes. we, we have the response. But that performance was superb. It and was again yeah. Perry Blackshear talking about how he had written dialogue for the mute character. Um, and had it in parenthesis in the script and then when they went into rehearsals and pre-production and, and started workshopping and, and improving to get to the, the, the shooting part of the story um, he was he then tweaking and rewriting the lines that the character wouldn't speak but the actor would act mm-hmm. I find that fascinating that's such a it's, it's, for me I love hearing about process I yeah. think it's totally invisible unless you go and look for it and you, you read it or see interviews with the filmmakers but he was absolutely switched on that guy yeah and luckily there's more stuff coming from a lot of these people who have been at fright fest and yeah perry blackshear is one of the people who's got something in the pipeline in fact i should what well, i'm really glad you've mentioned that because something again i will say about um this year's fright fest in glasgow uh in contrast to the one we had in london last summer was the fact that um they really went back to doing proper Q&As again. This was something that um, that was one of my criticisms uh, this past summer was the London one. There were a lot of introductions to films, but because they had such a packed schedule over multiple sites, um, they weren't doing so many of the Q&As. There was only a couple. Um, Lee Wannell was one of the main guests and he did a Q&A on Upgrade. But... Um, but uh, for this, they really did get as many guests as they could. And they came back and did proper Q&A sessions where I have to say hats off to the Fright Fest team this year. They asked really good, intelligent questions and allowed for a lot of audience participation with that as well. Yeah, so, I, um, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, th- I, think, I think it is the, the benefit of having your filmmakers at your film festival and totally the curated questions were well thought out and engaged and it got the ball rolling and then they opened it to the audience and 
I love audience questions. I much prefer them to any other kind of format of asking because it's it's so pure in response to a film to ask your viewers, what do you think? Yeah. Um, and some of the questions are totally left field or really weird kind of esoteric stuff to ask. Other ones are really stuff that I wouldn't have even thought of ever asking myself and it's like, wow, mm. what well, an we, insight we, into the we, way that people think. We you know? both ask questions as well, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, and got, oh, we and got free DVDs. Yeah, they were for, good at it. Like, so that was lovely. Giving out tons of films and like merch, posters, t-shirts. So I think that that's also nice as well because it's rewarding of your community that's supporting the film festival yeah. and, and they're watching the films. Yeah, this did really have a community feel. I just wanted to add that. Um, right, well, next up is, is a film. It's probably the one film where you and I actually have a slight difference of opinion here. Um, I, it was, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with that. Uh, well, um, <laughs> the, 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 yeah, very good. Um, it's it's a, a low-budget UK film called Automata or Automata. Automata, yeah. yes. And um, this, this is by uh, Fright Fest friend, I guess, um, director Laurie Brewster and written by Sarah Daly. Now, these guys have had uh, films previously at Fright Fest. Um, a couple of Halloweens ago, they had one called The Black Gloves, which was um, very much trying to do a similar thing to Here Comes Hell and, you, you okay. know, embrace that kind of, um, uh, you, you know, um, old, old school uh, 1930s kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, this one, again, um, you know, they're trying to sort of embrace a mixture of, I guess, Hammer Horror and Roger Corman style um, filmmaking in so much as they it's very much the same team uh, both in front of and behind the camera. Now with this one um, I have to say first of all my hat's absolutely off to them because uh, again um, you know they are churning these films out. You, you know they, 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 you they've said already these guys are producing one film a year yeah, at the moment. It, that it, is it, so it, prolific. Exactly, they're, they're they're getting this stuff out there, um, and they're getting on doing it. And I applaud that. And they're doing it with you know you know a fairly low budget, and they're doing quite ambitious films ambitious. as a result. Yeah, that though is 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 where my criticism comes in on this one is. Um, I wanted to be 100% behind it, but I felt that it was slightly too ambitious for their budget. And what I felt this film didn't do, which Here Comes Hell did perfectly, is Here Comes Hell embraced um, its its comedic um, horror and the fact that, you know, it knew what it was. It was... It, 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 and then absolutely embraced that. This film... I felt was trying, I, I felt tonally this was a little bit all over the place. And again, in some um, areas, the audience were laughing, but the film, I don't think, was actually trying to Going be funny. Yeah. I think it was trying to be, you know, very serious, heightened drama. And I don't think it nece they necessarily pulled it off in this. Um, it was good to see um, somebody I've acted with before played the, the lead villain in this, Jonathan Hansler. He was good. Who, who is always good. He's a very, yeah. very good actor. Um, good. So it's good to see him in this. But, but for me, and I'll shut up in a minute and let you say your bit, <laughs> but for, for me, um, I, I don't think this 100% worked. Um, basically, it's about a 300-year-old clockwork doll, which was um, wonderfully uh, acted, by the way, I have to say, by um, 
Alexandra Holm, who who had been in their previous films as well. So um, she's doing quite well for herself with this sort of thing. And I thought she played it really, really well. Um, and so I'm not criticising that, but I just think that the... Um, the, the the film and also the film for me it, it almost felt like uh, um, Lord of the Rings Return of the King in the fact that it, it felt like it had about seven endings of people screaming and pounding at doors before it actually got to the end <laughs> and, and again I'm sounding like an awful asshole here by criticising what was a very well well devised project otherwise I just I just think it didn't quite know what it was and that's my criticism I, I, I think that's totally valid and I actually agree with with your criticisms but you I love this the only thing that I wouldn't agree with is that you felt it was maybe hard for you to get 100% behind it I was 100% behind this film despite you know things that are shortcomings with it or maybe could have been done more effectively or shortened and tightened up and let me let me be critical um, there were various things that could have been done to have improved it in, in my viewpoint um, but despite all that uh, I think the things that I enjoyed about it totally outweighed any of the things that I didn't like and right. I wish I could see every film with that kind of uh, perspective because then you'd never be disappointed or unhappy yeah I mean um, well I mean I, I mean one of the things with this uh, is is I just thought the um, there was kind of a Inappropriate, slightly cringeworthy central relationship in this oh, film, absolutely, which yeah. I which I didn't buy into at all. I I like <laughs> I, I like that because I felt that that was. I mean, one of the big things that I've been looking at when we've been watching the films is, do I think this is horror? Is a question that I ask myself, and if yes, what is it that that makes it, you know, not maybe horrifying or horrific but what's that kind of lingering dwelling nasty element of the, the movie and that's the sort of stuff that upsets me not kind of slasher stuff which is just unpleasant mm -hmm. um, and can give you a jump scare but what's the thing that you're going to dwell on and this is about without giving away too much about sort of familial incestuous kind of sexual abuse mm -hmm. and you know that that is something that is horrifying and that is real and uh, you know horrible for anybody that's a survivor of that sort of experience, and I think the film actually, it maybe does seem quite schlocky or, you know, not quite as together and tight as it could be. But that underlying subtext really was not not pleasant, and it did scare me, and it did lend itself to quite upsetting sequences in the film. Um, probably yeah. my one major criticism of this is it was, and it's a criticism of, of more than uh, you know just this was that it was slightly too long, and if they'd condensed it, it could have been much more punchy and, and made those points and had that subtext, and it would have been a lot faster and a lot more to try and keep up with as the audience. Because mm. interestingly, it was only ninety five minutes, but I thought it felt a hell of a lot longer. Yeah, it did, it did have, um, and, and the kind of uh, historic backdrop. Um, meant that when we were moving between flashback and present day seemed to take ages but just by scope mm. of its you know time uh, period um, between the two different settings the, well the other the other thing about it that for me felt inconsistent was um, parts of this film looked absolutely beautiful 
okay and you know it beautifully lit and 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 really embracing what it was trying to do whereas other areas and i appreciate again i having you know being a filmmaker myself i know about tight schedules and and production budget and all this but there were a few things where stylistically i thought they could have um particularly with some of the period stuff you know if they'd maybe given it a sepia tone um sheen or something to it just to just to make it look a little less like oh we've got four costumes yeah. and and, uh, yeah, and I mean, a couple like, of rifles you know i've been harping <laughs> on all weekend less is more yeah. and uh one of the brilliant things about film as a medium is that you can once you once you've figured out how you're doing it once you've got your conceit bought by the audience you actually don't need massive amounts of you know expense or production value to kind of hammer home points and sometimes trying to be too ambitious or too uh direct with what you're talking about instead of being quite simple and subtle can be it can be less effective and i think to tailor everything back where scenes in the horror films have really affected me that we've been watching over the weekend it has been the more i don't know quiet or toned down element that has been effective and I think that's why I like Rusalka so much mm -hmm. was because it wasn't even though I mean and that, that shoot must have had its problems with being so heavily featuring water as health and safety continuity mm -hmm. lighting it and exposing that kind of shot that's all complicated but because visually that element was so simple and so clearly demonstrated in a really poetic thematic story sense I think that was really effective and part of what I liked about this mm -hmm. film um, whereas Automata has so many moving parts and so many plates spinning and mm. you've got to try and keep production value consistent across yeah. five or six different sorts of uh, stylistic settings yeah. between social realism, um, you know, period drama, yeah. and then this kind of wacky, like crazy lighting, hammer horror-esque yeah. sort of, you know. Well, it's, it's, it's exactly to my point is I, th I think it, it was, it didn't quite meet its ambition but at the same time, I absolutely want to say here for the record, I'm not taking anything away from Laurie Brewster yeah. for, for doing this. And, and, you know, interesting, it was written by Sarah Daly. You know, some people could say because of the subject matter, or was this written by a guy? But no, it was written by a woman and well written. And, um, you, you know, I don't want to take anything away from this entire team because while we're here talking about it, they're out there doing it. So, you know, my, yeah. my hat is I'll, absolutely I'll be, off. I'll be seeing their next film. I mean, one of the sort of hills that I want to die on is, um, you know, national cinema in the UK in general. And uh, when you go to the cinema and you watch whatever it is that's set in New York, or it's probably now quite cool to be setting your stuff in Portland and, and like Rasoka and uh, places like that. One of the things that's really powerful about seeing national cinema is it's identifiable. So seeing a, a film shot in Fife, I was there two weeks ago going to Dundee to go and see the V&A and going across to, to uh, Newport and Tay and stuff. And to, to see a film shot in Scotland with Scottish actors and, and that kind of weather, the establishing shots being identifiable and stuff, there's a resonance there that I don't get when I watch American films or world cinema. Mm -hmm. it's, some, it's something different about it. And I think part of the reason that I love this film so much was that there's an immersion and a relatability to it that I don't get um, mm -hmm. with other stuff. So I, I really liked it, yeah. Well, while we're on that point, before we move on to the next film, I just want to ask something sort of general about yeah. the, um, 
uh, Fright Fest because I, I'm one of these, you, you know, I've, I've some of our friends that are listeners out there, you know, they, they really do before a, a festival like Fright Fest, they very much do their research and they, um, you, you know, they, 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 they've looked into the films before, you, you know, and know a little bit about them. Um, my approach with this stuff that some could say is lazy, but it's just how I like to enjoy entertainment these days, whether it's um, my BAFTA screenings or, or indeed something like this, is, is to know as little as possible about the film and, you know, not even not even what it's about or who's in it or anything and just going in and being you know, n- not tainted in any way or influenced any way by anything outside, you know, to the point of not even knowing what actors are in it or who's directed it or anything. And I kind of enjoy personally consuming films in that fashion. I just wonder from your point of view, um, how did you find the fact that I know you didn't know too much about any of the films going into it. And obviously being new to Fright Fest, you didn't really know kind of what to expect either. So yeah, what, what was your feeling there? Um, well, I, I basically took your lead. Uh, like I said, um, when we were at the beginning of the podcast, um, I've, I've sort of uh, done film journalism and worked at film festivals before. And part of, the sort of responsibility that you've got if you're interviewing somebody mm. or you're, you know, a, a PA or an assistant to somebody you've producing things. you got to do things. your research. You right? need to know your stuff yeah. absolutely inside out, off by heart. And you've got, like, sometimes you've got, like, 20 minutes to research a film, get a synopsis up, know what's happening, research the background and yeah. your two or three know leads what their and previous your filmmaker work and your is. producer. You don't know who you're going to talk to and stuff. Yeah. You, if, if somebody's making a movie and it takes a year and a half or two years to, to get to the stage where they're at a festival, you need to be, if you're working at a festival, in my opinion, you need to be moving heaven and earth to know what you're talking about. So I, I didn't know anything at all about any of the films that this intentionally got rid of my Fright Fest programme that my friend had brought for me from town um, like a fortnight ago or whenever. I didn't want to read anything about it because at this I was being a patron and a viewer and I don't normally get to do that in my sort of professional uh, endeavours when I've been at other film festivals and I loved it. Um, in my sort of personal uh, watching of films, either... If it's a word of mouth recommendation from a friend or somebody I know, I often stop people and say, look, don't tell me anymore. If you're recommending me this, you know my taste, I'm going to watch it. But if it's stuff that I see a trailer for, sometimes I just go hook, line and sinker and read about all the background drama behind the production or mm-hmm. you know who's involved and what's the inspiration and I'll follow it. And I don't feel like there's one way or the other makes a film more or less satisfying for me. Oh, there's no right you know, or wrong. I can't affect whether the film is going to be good or not, yeah. objectively, and, and, yeah. and so on. But yeah, interesting. So I, I, with all these, I knew nothing at all. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, next up, um, which I, I'll be honest, for me, I thought this was a particular highlight. Um, I don't know whether we're supposed to pen- pronounce this Final or finale or or what? But it's spelt finale. Yeah, I basically. think finale. I would go with it. And uh, it's it's a Danish film. Um, and I I I thought this was proper. Um, I I really enjoyed this. Okay, uh, th- th- this this was it's proper brutal, proper nasty, um, and to the point that they actually have kind of like a 
Um, two uh, disclaimers: uh, 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 one from the director himself and the Fright Fest crew, and then and one, one in the, the film. film yeah. In the film, a disclaimer that what you're going to see is quite um, horrific. Which I, we are at a horror festival after all, right? But yeah. um, I just thought this was really, really well done. Um, it was slickly produced because it was done on quite a low budget. Yeah. Um, it was based on a novel um, and, and adapted, and it's proper. You know, it proper fits into that sort of dark, um, you know, uh, not, I mean, not so many films come out of Denmark. We're used to, you know, we're, we're used to the sort of Nordic noir stuff being, you know. It looks of Sweden, Sweden and, um, and, and, and Norway do a lot in Iceland and stuff. It, it, exactly. So, um, but this really worked. It was basically, it centred around... Um, two uh, young ladies that work in a sort of 24-hour fuel station convenience store in the middle of nowhere in in Denmark. Already scary. And uh, yeah, and it's it's on the... It's coinciding with a a night where there's some sort of sports... Yeah, the final... Uh, uh, the championship, final or whatever. It's which, quite kind of... Um, it's vague. Yeah, actually. intentionally vague. Intentionally vague, yes. Which is, is something to think about. I mean, when I think of a horror film, and when, when you were telling me, you know, coming to Glasgow to Fright Fest, that's what this finale is what I think of when I think of a horror film. Yes. So it had, like you said, really slick production value. And it also was upsetting I think to watch um, and I find it kind of an interesting process when I'm when I'm watching horror films I'm a big comics reader and I've uh, been reading some horror comics recently not even particularly in prep for Fright Fest just because that's what I was doing and I find when I watch films I'm quite hard to shock I think when you've when you've made films and you've got the background in production you know all the sort of gags and, and gimmicks that are used to generate the image. I mean, mm-hmm. like the image is the only thing that matters. So it doesn't matter how you're getting there in terms of like, creating an effect. So I find it generally really difficult to get immersed in films, and it's why Fright Fest was brilliant because after like the first two films, it was just sort of lying back and letting it wash over me and mm-hmm. enjoying it rather than being really analytical and critical and so on. Yeah. Um, with um, finale, I think. How like how do you how do you be effective? How do you upset and shock people? Mm. You know there was an element of sort of I mean extremely gratuitous violence. Oh, let's not. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, not, to- not, to- you know, torture porn like, to yeah, the extreme. It was, it was torture porn. I mean, porn. I, I mean, you know, this film, this film has an interesting sort of split narrative. Yeah, um, the structure of the film. You were particularly stru- enamored. With. Yeah, I was, and and I thought it really worked. Um, and, you know, again, I don't want to... This is awkward because I don't want to give any sort of spoilers away here. But this this kind of worked on the... Um, one of the things I thought was interesting is I felt like it kind of dealt with a class system as well. So you had your sort of two working class, um, y- y- you know, uh, attendants to this, uh, well, you know, night shift in a small garage. Agnes working class? Well, actually, no. Agnes was... was uh, <laughs> Okay, she has a backstory, which we which <laughs> Sorry, won't get to exactly. No, but I kind of like the fact that um, the the voyeurs in this were all, or the or the or the front seat voyeurs yeah, were, were affluent, elite. privileged, yeah. um, elite, and, and and it's that kind of perversity 
that, that we've had throughout entire history about how human beings kind of like to see this sort of violence. And it also, again, taps into the sort of internet and the sort of um, uh, anonymity that you've got when you're watching, like, you know, this kind of dealt with almost like sort of snuff content. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was, uh, you know, it was massively disturbing, which, which uh, you know, a good horror film should be. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how, I mean, maybe it just didn't quite affect me like like that. I don't know. I, I definitely enjoyed the film and liked it. I did enjoyed feel that, yeah, an interesting it's, well, word, I mean, isn't it? It's, but, it's a know. bit, it's like, it's not, you know, a happy film or a positive film, but you know, if you've had a shit day at work, you don't want to come home and listen to, you know, some top 10. You want to listen to, like, Radiohead or something that's going to be fitting of your mood. And film is no different. Um, you don't always want to go and watch Frozen or whatever light-hearted thing's going to be escapist and fun. Sometimes you do want to have your idea that the world's a horrible... Mean Adam Green's Frozen. <laughs> that's oh, that's a superb film. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it's much more like that. I've had a bad day. Let's endorse that. Yeah. Um, I mean... Final, finally, I, I did like the film. I feel like its violence was on, you know, it was responsible in the sense of it was showing the effect of violence. Um, it was gratuitous and pornographic, I thought. I, I feel like almost it would have maybe been more effective to have had that scene be inferred violence where we see the reactions of the people that are, you know, essentially perpetrating it by paying for it. Yeah. Um, but maybe that I mean that is not the way that you make that film and, and Soren the director did tell us part of the reason that they were funded he essentially wanted to have inferred violence and some of this stuff but he was told if you're going to go and get this budget if we want to go. see it all on screen oh, so, yeah. I mean, and they certainly they certainly showed it this is not for the um, people with a a weak distance. No, people, some, people, some people did leave um, during the screening as well, which yeah. I think is always testament if you're going to actually go for doing the really nasty um, sort of horror film, you know, sort of torture porny stuff, like do it right. Like, yeah. don't, don't just do a little bit. You need to no. get that kind of wall of just revulsion going. Yeah. And this went, th- and this really totally. went and it, it. I mean, it, it tapped into tons of the stuff that I think is really like socially relevant, you know, the internet being this sort of wild west of who knows what is going on and uh, there's this surface level of uh, okay websites and then you've got the dark net that's continually being vilified by the government and you know dangerous to go on and so on and all the sort of marketplace of that is is absolutely what this film's looking Mm. at and talking about I mean this was there with lords of chaos in terms of the brutality yeah, the I think horror, that's the horror brutality. Like the, 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 they were the top level of just violence and gratuitousness. Yeah, yeah. But I, I actually thought the production of this was very slick. Um, it that, was. That, that's what I was taken with, particularly. Yeah. And it's, you know, you totally, for, for better or for worse, you you totally bought into that world. Yeah, and, incredible um, performances from the two leads, oh, the two uh, yes. petrol station workers. Yes, brilliant. Really, really well cast, well directed, great writing. I think that carried. I, I mean, like all the all the other stuff really carried the violence for me. I don't think it would have worked had it just been like, despite having good production value and those special mm. effects sequences, the thing that made it 
good was, I suppose, the story being executed really well. Yes, and also the fact that you did actually give a shit yeah, about the characters. Yeah, you cared. And they did within that first half. Exactly. Yeah. They, they, they spent time with the structure on this that you... That you um, got to know your characters and, and they kind of earned the audience's respect uh, as individuals but then they would go and they'd have something to sort of keep the hardcore horror fans happy for a bit yeah. and then come yeah. back and and uh, I think you know. as well the, <clears throat> when they introduce Agnes who I would say is the main character um, she's the daughter of the petrol station worker I know I don't want to get too much into story but this is all yeah, front-loaded yeah. so I feel okay about doing it stop me if you don't like no it. no I agree um, but you know they introduced Belinda and one of the uh, so she's the girl that works full time in the petrol station and uh, when Agnes comes in it's mentioned that she's the boss's daughter Tell the it. owner of the petrol station's daughter and I think that was such a brave decision for the filmmakers and the, the actor to, to go with because it's very difficult to I think, criticise or have a negative introduction for a character. It's very difficult for an audience to then get on board. Yes. And you have to do a lot of heavy lifting in terms of redemption. Yes. Because audiences are completely merciless. And I think if mm. you don't like something or they don't back your main character, you can lose well, the film. And, 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 this, and this film wouldn't have worked no. if you didn't give a shit about yeah. those central characters. And that, they're both very, very well-rounded and, yeah. and like a lot of depth to them. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Yeah. Cool. And... Uh, Talking about really liking and really giving a shit about the central characters. Probably my favourite film yes. of the day. We, we, yeah. we, we have a, mine too I think, we have a South Korean film uh, which is called The Witch Part 1, The Subversion. So, a title that I simultaneously hate and adore. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I mean this, oh dear, this was, this, this kind of had everything in, in what... This film was, I was talking about earlier, about tonally and, and films not sort of having the balance or whatever. But this had everything in so much as you had, um, uh, you know, heartwarming drama. You had very, very comedic uh, moments and performances that worked really well. Again, serving character and whatever. You had uh, extreme action Scenes, action was, adventure scenes, just to, like, and it was bonkers, bonkers action scenes. Yeah, and then of course you, you and there was a um, a, a mystery thriller um, element with with a gore element as well. So you kind of it did sort of. I mean, I heard one or two people say, "Did this really belong in a, in a horror festival?" And I think it absolutely did because it is horrific. Um, but one of the things, I mean, this this kind of. I have to say, for me personally, I was put it. I this is how high I regard this film. Is I think you know, game changers for me in terms of um, action fight scenes and uh, use of firearms and all this was you know, you, you had Terminator Two Judgment Day, and then several years later you had The Matrix, you know, which is doing this. And, and, and I think this, you know, I, I'd be bold enough to say goes to the next, you, you know, level in one of them. Because essentially, to give it a bit of context here, what we're talking about with this film, it's, it's, it's essentially a super soldier program. Yeah. Um, you know, which has obviously been done loads of times before in literature and cinema. And uh, it reminded me a little bit, actually, in terms of television of... of um, 
James Cameron's Dark Angel from the late nineties, okay. um, and, and, and you know, and it had so so, you know, it's a government experiment on on young children to essentially program them and make them uh, better and and stronger and faster. You know, the, the the whole the whole classic super soldier kind of um, program, and uh, there's an incident. When the film starts, and one of the girls, um, actually, who's a, an eight-year-old girl, um, she kind of gets away from this incident, and she ends up being uh, adopted by a by a very ordinary working-class, realistic yeah. family. And then, and then this film picks up around the time that she's eighteen, and um, uh, and involves you, you know a, 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 a talent show. Yeah, I think it is, you're hitting the nail on the head saying that there's so much going on in this. One thing that I would touch on is um, I can't believe that there were people who thought that this didn't belong at a horror film festival. The subtext in this film is about child exploitation and uh, sex trafficking and, and that sort of um, you know backdrop. And uh, that is terrific, and absolutely the film, just because it is uh, skinned almost as this kind of like super slick action movie, Part of what makes that, uh, what was her name? J. Koo, what was the character's name? I can't remember. Um, oh, uh, Koo you know, J. Yoon. Okay, so the, the girl it's there. The protagonist, um, the main one. Like, that character works entirely because this is a horror film, and it's the only reason I feel like as a viewer that I'm going to back her, because really she's a baddie, I think. Mm. But you can understand and justify why she's doing the things that she's doing in this story, which yes. are horrifying. Um, and it, yeah, because it's ultra-violent. I mean, this is ultra-violent film, but also, as I said, it has these really kind of... I remember one moment I kind of I kind of nudged you because there, there was a scene that went from comedy to high emotional drama within one scene at a yeah. dinner table with no action at yeah. all. And, and and that was really good. And and there's a great standout performance in this by her sort of best friend. Yeah, that was such a great, uh, you know, like realisation of, of, of that. And it really, like, that, that um, you know, supporting actress is a great foil for the, for the lead. And it worked really well. I mean, I want, I want to kind of touch on it being called The Witch Part One. Um, I feel so burnt out and uh, like not interested in shared cinematic universes anymore. I can't be done with it. I don't want to watch twenty films to understand one. It's bad filmmaking at this stage, in my uh, you know opinion. Um, I'm from the superhero fan here, but yes, but, anyway. <laughs> and I think you can maybe say that this was a kind of superhero. Oh, I think it totally know, was element to it. They did have powers, even though they weren't really heroes. Um, but one of the things that I I really liked about that kind of element to it with being part one is I don't feel like this like it was a bigger story than one film but would it be a whole shared cinematic universe I really hope not because part of what made that work mm. was it was packaged so well it was developed so well and I could see it being a serial story but I really hope they don't yeah well I mean the, the first the, 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 the first thing I said to you when the credits hit which I loved apart from saying I fucking loved that I said uh, I can't wait for part two yeah me too I'm really and, and it did it did actually leave me wanting more it really did it's not it's not so much a cliffhanger ending and again we don't want to go into spoilers mm. anyway but um 
It does expand, you know, doesn't it? It does. It, it does it, lead into the next start of stage of the story. Yeah, I mean, there's almost like a kind of a a limitless element to this yeah. as well. Is there's kind of a in order to have these en- enhanced abilities, there is kind of a a price to be paid, a serum that yeah. needs to be taken, and that's not too spoilery, I don't think. No. Um, and, and, and yeah, but I mean, this just 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 this was just great it's hard i think in a film to and what everybody's trying to achieve when you're when you're making a movie is to get your audience and let's be specific with horror films when i'm saying this you want to get your audience to think when's the shit gonna hit the fan i want to see you know whatever it is a scary ghost or a monster or something somebody being hacked up or this tortured way or whatever it is and good filmmakers will then make you regret the, the, the moment in the story that you wished for whatever it was that you're now getting this film really drew out all the tension and then once it got into the sort of spectacular action-packed stage it was absolutely awesome yeah. i love this this is this is totally my kind of movie yeah. and uh, it was worth going and watching all the films just to have seen one thing like that yeah i would say up with rusalka one of my favorites yeah but I mean, we are talking a really strong day because <laughs> yeah, then the, the, next the, film, the next film also excellent, which was called Freaks, um, directed by uh, Zach Leposki and Adam Stein, um, and this this starred uh, Bruce Dern um, and uh, Linda, uh, no, sorry, Grace Park, wasn't it? Grace yep, and, Park and, um, and Emil Hirsch and, and Emil Hirsch, yes, and. Uh, um, yeah, this this well, God, how, how the hell do we explain this film? Um, well, again, there's actually, a lot it's, going on there here. Was, there was kind of similarities I felt to the witch um, subversion part one um, with this with this film, but also it was a film that was kind of tonally doing different things and bringing in different elements, and it like the witch also had excellent tension and lead into its story, um, so. And and Zach Lepowski said that uh, one of the touchstone kind of inspirations was Room. Um, yes, it, well, it, had, it, it definitely it started off. Yeah, I mean, it, it, essentially the setup is um, it starts off with a um, a seven year old girl uh, called Chloe and her father that are locked up in a or have locked themselves up in a suburban home because of what we assume is like some sort of apocalypse that, that's happened outside. Yeah, not clear what's going on it, it's for very a long unclear time. for a long they, they, time they really they really milked i think effectively not giving you information in yes. this movie and i think that there's a boldness to that that makes it work and quite often i think as a filmmaker one of the things that's really difficult is trying to judge how much you can do like because you want to obviously do the very bare minimum of anything to get the effect mm-hmm. it's harder for the audience and it's more rewarding to like keep people in, intensely invested mm. and trying to work stuff out and they really nail oh, that they, they definitely have the mystery box going yeah. for a big element of this film and, and again this is going to be kind of hard to talk about because can we see um, what the genre ends up being sort of can yeah I mean I, well I don't think that's going to ruin it I mean I, I kind of felt like it It literally was like a superhero yeah, movie it's, it's almost a like a sort film. of supergirl type film yeah. in some respects um but but it, at the same time, it really subverts. Yeah, there's a lot of kind of a new draw. sort of way of looking at it. It's yeah. quite X Men in some respects with yes. that kind of approach of how would society view people yes. who were different. As, well, who, hence who the title different. freaks. Yeah. but yes, um, 
you know, it, it does deal with that. Um, and I, I, again, I was, I mean, this is kind of a, uh, this is a fairly slick production again, isn't it? This is, this is, this has got that They've got kind the of, money on the screen. Yes. They really, like, the production value is extremely impressive in yeah. this film. Yeah. Um, and then the performance, I mean, it's always good to see Bruce Dern, um, y- y- you know, in something, but the performance by the, the young girl that was, was really I mean, well. I mean, she was like, kind of totally. felt to me like a young Drew Barrymore, yeah. like the sort of fire start ET type Drew Barrymore, totally. you know? Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I, I thought this really worked. Apparently, again, this isn't spoilery, but interestingly, this is currently in development to become a television series, uh, which is supposed to take place a few years after mm-hmm. where this film ends. And uh, I think that it, it absolutely has that in terms of the world building. Yeah, this, it's set up it, for it, it, being you know greater than just one. Yes, movie, yes, you could have like definitely sort of arc storytelling um, because because again it deals in terms of social stuff, social issues. That's mm-hmm. your question earlier on about that. I mean, it does kind of deal with that sort of thing quite well but at the same time you're absolutely right that it's very ambiguous about what the yeah i have i have problems with the message in this film i need to like i think i'm maybe gonna watch it again um i i don't know can can you say what they are without spoiling it well it's kind of hard because you do like i don't part of what my issue is is to do with the very end of the film and the kind of stance that the story Uh, and the, the kind of like takes on what you've just seen um because of a comics reader part of the byproduct of that unfortunately I'm sure many of your listeners if they're comics readers will agree is that we tend to have very strong opinions about what things mean and, and, and what a superhero is an analogue for um, but you know like we were talking last night with people outside the um, GFT mark of a good film is that it generates discussion and absolutely this film mm. is something that I would talk about and uh, defend my opinion on and, and, and so on um, I thought those guys did a really good job it's again it's something that I'm dwelling on and thinking about so mm. they've ticked that box there for me mm. it's lasting impression is making me think about you know do I agree with that mm. is that is what they're is what I've seen what they've actually intended to say or am I taking as a viewer something that was maybe unintended mm-hmm. as a byproduct of that so I think mm-hmm. that's interesting but I yeah. think it's too spoilery maybe if we I think get it's too spoilery. Zach and but, uh, but his, his co-director on we can yeah, have that yeah. conversation and, and at the same time there's a, a hell of a lot of spectacle in the, in this film as yeah, well, totally. so there's, there's there's loads to enjoy, um, and it, and it's not it's a pretty fast moving film. This is this is one again that didn't feel over bloated for me. I, I this this actually felt just about right in its okay, delivery good, for, good. for me. Anyway, yep. again, we might slightly disagree. <laughs> and this was the, and this is again the good thing with Fright Fest is um, the 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 the. The differences of opinion. Yeah, totally, and and is, it's you know it's the benefit of any kind of art is that you have an individual personal response to it, and yeah. regardless of what that is, it's valid. Yeah. One of the things that I find really interesting in kind of modern fandom is how strongly people back different horses and uh, mm-hmm. you know you know buy into whatever it is you know MCU or mm-hmm. um, you know Jurassic Park sequels are they valid are they not mm-hmm. the big one at the moment if I can you know, say the S word, Star Wars, um, you know, whether, oh, you know, what, what... I thought we were going to get through one what, movie, heaven, nah, movie, nah, podcast without the mention let, of the... Can't let um, Disney off the hook for any of that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it should be a case of people saying, you know, I'm a whatever fan, not what kind of a fan are you? That's yes. where I think a lot yeah. of that uh, comes down to. But yeah. No, 
No, yeah. cool. Okay, and, and, and I have to say, another thing um, that this year's uh, Glasgow Fright Fest really accomplished for me was normally the last film of the entire festival can be a bit of a stinker. In fact, two years ago, uh, the final film at Glasgow was a film that I probably thought was the worst film I'd ever seen. Wow. It was that bad. And um, this broke the mould. You know, again, a great fun film to end on. So we ended on a film called The Horde, okay, Um, which... (laughs) Essentially, and it, and they did it so well, it's done like a reality TV mockumentary type show dealing with people who hoard things and how that relates to, uh, you know, paranormal evil spirits yeah. and whatever. And it had this wonderful ensemble cast and they, they, they really did sort of capture, they had like the, the beginning credits and those little sort of... Um, yeah, the VT kind the, of, uh, yeah, like yeah. with graphics and introductions for each character yeah. and stuff. And it was hilarious. Yeah, I, I mean, I laughed too. a lot. And we were quite kind of, um, you know, tired by that oh, stage God. Yeah. after having watched five or six Well, this started then, at 11.30pm. Yeah. And we'd been, and like, we'd been there in for more than, 10 12, more than 12 hours. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was heavy duty. Yeah. But I think what really, for me, carried this film was just the quality of the comedy. It was really mm. funny. Yes. And uh, what I thought was interesting as well is I, I feel like good comedy films, I think the two Deadpool films definitely do this. I'm maybe not going to laugh at every joke, but there's other people in the audience that are laughing at stuff that I don't even get why it's funny. And I think that that's a tremendous skill to be able to have is to build so much sort of hilarity and, and, and fun into your movie that different people get different things from it. And certainly there were some bits where everybody was shrieking and sort of laughing and stuff. And that's that probably that kind of a film that to me still reinforces why it's relevant to go and see films at the cinema with an audience and not just watch them at home. Mm. Even if you do have a projector and you can emulate a kind of cinematic experience on quite a big scale, um, I still, I think you, with that shared experience, Mm -hmm. you do have this kind of rush that goes through the audience. Well, the audience love this. Yeah, it's very successful. Again, you know, unusual because a lot of people tend to leave for the last film and whatever. But um, the, the, this this really worked. The the characters that they they formed in this really wor- worked really well because you know you had your you had your sort of um, makeover expert. You you had essentially an ensemble of characters that were split split into like sort of what three teams I guess. So you had yeah. your kind of makeover experts. You you know one that dealt with the sort of uh, visual. Um, aesthetics of it all and the other dealt with the sort of psychology behind actually getting rid of all this shit that you don't (laughs) need and then you had like a sort of paranormal team uh, that was kind of like those um, those characters uh, in the um, Insidious franchise you know that Lin Shay heads up um, you, you know where they had sort of all their all their technology that's supposed to kind of you, you know detect whether there's 
you know, strange vibes or whatever going on in a particular room and all this sort of thing. So you had that team and then you had the clear out team. Which, they were my which, favorite. Which Falcon and the Duke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which were basically the guys that were like, you know, they were the ones who'd put on the overalls and the and the face masks and go in and you know talk about dry rot and damp walls and block sewage and you know all of that sort of thing. And they actually um, they take a, they recruit a um, a local, don't uh, they? Uh, yeah, who's, it's who's Ohio, so it's a total dive. Yeah, that, that. I was going to say it's like a. It's like an un- unemployed, vagrant, homeless person kind of <laughs> thing who has to report to his parole officer or whatever. Do you think he was a non-actor, that guy? Oh, I don't, I don't know. The thing is, that was, that was the other great thing with this film is they really, the, the fly-on-the-wall documentary aspect of it works, at, you know, the referencing the camera yeah, yeah. and all of that sort of thing really, really worked. It really... Uh, you know, it felt like one of those shows. Yeah, not, I mean, that I, yeah. not that I watch a lot of those well, shows. I'm a massive fact, reality TV it, fan, unfortunately. I'm constantly whereas, watching Gordon whereas, Ramsay. Whereas I hate it, but at the same time, I, I'd, I've seen enough to actually get the joke and the conceit of this film. And I thought that they they did it really well and they characterised uh, really well. And again, the the the, um, uh, the 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 subject, the person that that is the hoarder. Um, you know, you know that the the the, the show's about yeah, saving him again. Yeah. He was he was fantastic, and, and he's kind of like the dry kind of part, isn't he? Yes. he's carrying all the kind of hilarity and stuff by being the the normal kind of uh, heel part. Yeah. Almost. And what what do all these idiots know about you know my stuff? One thing <laughs> I I love when I see it in comedy films, and it's probably never ever the intent, but I love, and I think Zoolander's the perfect example of for me this <laughs> is when you can see the actors are having to work really hard to, to act because it's so funny. Yes. And I love that and I think it translates so tremendously in film yes. when you're watching and this was a film where it was quite clear that everybody involved was really struggling to keep it together because yeah. it was so silly and yeah. funny. Um, it, it was it, it really it really worked this was a lot of fun again we, we've already talked about this but um you, you know most of those shows to my knowledge are normally around the sort of 40 minute to an yeah, hour length it's never going to be longer than and, that and of course this was a, a 100 minute movie or whatever it was and again the the, the last act felt a little long mm-hmm. um although i was still because because again i cared about yeah. these characters i was totally invested in the plot so i didn't i didn't have a necessarily a problem with that and maybe it was just a case of getting a bit tired towards the end but mm-hmm. um but i it's particularly the beginning and the setup i these characters had me howling and they they were doing their own sort of little video diaries as well yeah it was awesome i mean there's one like... character you didn't need to, to see sitting around in his underpants <laughs> but Constantly. the actor <laughs> but the actor committed to yeah. it and did it and uh yeah it was it was very amusing and, and there's also a great scene where they they follow a guy to a thrift store who basically goes to buy more junk. Yeah. And uh, that was a hilarious yeah, scene. Clever. Um, and also there was, of course, a real cringeworthy um, sewage joke, well, uh, which was quite and, and, sickening you know, the, the, to the, see. There was legitimate horror stuff in that film, and it did, I mean, even just the kind of... Um, well, I don't want to talk about too much about the ending of the film and stuff, because... You know, we're going to not Spoiler. spoil stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, definitely there was 
there was that was a horror film as well and uh, had a legitimate reason to be at, at Fright Fest despite just being really funny and comedic as well um, I think it had definitely a correlation to the Taika Waititi stuff that he'd been doing things like yes. What We Do in the Shadows very reminiscent of that yes. and a- another uh, group of filmmakers and actors and crew who I'm really excited to see what they're doing in the future because I can yeah. only see them improving on what they're already working on yeah now it was good to end Fright Fest on a, at Glasgow on a high yeah. with this so um, so I mean that unless you've got anything else to add that kind of I mean as usual with a movie heaven movie hell podcast it's we massive. are we are going into um, feature length territory yeah. ourselves here but um, uh, a- anything else you want to add about, about Fright Fest Glasgow 2019. Yeah, I, would, I, mean, I would I would just promote Fright Fest actually and say if you're you know a Glaswegian or you're able to get to Glasgow for next year, um, absolutely do it. I think having a film festival that's so heavily loaded over two days is absolutely the way to do it because it's manageable for people to have that kind of time. I think as opposed to something longer like when I've been at the LFF for like ten days to fortnight, it's hard to see stuff and continue your momentum and, and so on. Yeah. So this was brilliant. And because it's a genre um, festival as well, you're going to see a lot of very niche stuff. Like, for example, uh, Paul told us the Witch Part 1 subversion may not receive a UK territory screening. This is very true. Uh, cinematic release at all. Yeah. And to see that sort of a movie in that environment, wow, absolutely yeah. awesome. Yeah. And a big uh, shout out to the GFT as well. If you're um, a local or, again, if you're in Glasgow, check out their programming oh, it's yeah. top the, flight I have to say um, you know we didn't go to any of the other Glasgow film festival screenings no we were just but, um you, you know the, the, the venue and the, the, the way it was staffed and the quality of things like the projection and the audio and all of that sort of thing um, absolutely you know hats off to those guys so that so that was really good um, and with regards to Fright Fest, uh, if you're listening to this and you want to find out more about Fright Fest, if you go to frightfest.co.uk, um, there's information there. Fright Fest run a festival twice a year. They won, run the one in Glasgow. Uh, they also run a, um, a, a four-day festival in London uh, during the August Bank holiday weekend uh, every year. Um, we've been doing for the last 18 years. And they also run events uh, at Halloween as well. So, um, yeah, if you're a real horror fan um, or you've got films that you want to uh, submit to a fest- horror festival, uh, then definitely check that out. Um, William, if people want to get in touch with you or see any of your work, is there anywhere you can find that? Um, so you can, you can tweet me at at WAS underscore MCL uh, if you've got anything to complain about or berate me about feel free to hit me up there um, and working on working wise actually nothing that I've done is available um, online as far as I'm aware you would have to go and IMDB me and order stuff um, to see anything that I've done sound on and stuff like that in terms of my own filmmaking at the moment, I am concept de- developing a short film which will be available hopefully on release within the next year. Um, but that's still at a very early stage and uh, I'm excited to get moving on that and then I can start talking about it more. Yeah, well, I know I'm in the same boat myself, um, mm-hmm. you know, working on various projects. But if you want to see 
uh, any of my previous work, um, some of which is definitely in the horror thriller uh, genre category. Um, if you go to YouTube and put in British Isles, that's E-Y-L-E-S, as in my last name, uh, there's some short films that I've made there that you can see. So please, um, please check those out. Uh, alternatively, if you want to see any of Simon Aitken's work, uh, that can be found at independentrunnings.com. And there are also updates there about his forthcoming movie, um, Modern Love. Um, if you want to subscribe to this podcast, you can do it through uh, iTunes or, or the normal podcast catches. Um, and uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. Um, also, I do want to promote that I'm involved uh, with another podcast as well, <gasps> which is uh, Premiere Scene. Hi, guys. Um, yes, hello to uh, uh, Anthony, Claire and Ryan, who, who I do that um, podcast with. And more information there can be found at premierscene.net. So uh, please check that out as well. And uh, that just leaves me to um, thank William for joining me on this adventure. Well, thank you for having me. I uh, uh, appreciate the, uh, um, taking me to Fright Fest and uh, exposing me to all this subversive, uh, horrifying content. Really good. Loved it. No worries. And um, uh, we hope you've enjoyed this podcast and we look forward to hearing you on the... Uh, 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 we, we look forward to... You joining us, should I say? Oh, it's been a long night. <laughs> long weekend, <laughs> on, on, yeah. yeah, on the next episode of Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. Mm-hmm.